This is Life of an Architect, a podcast dedicated to all things architecture, with a little bit of life thrown in for balance. Everybody knows what a bucket list is, but we're going to zero in on that a bit with today's topic. Prepare yourself for the architectural bucket list episode. Today's episode is brought to you with support from Building Design and Construction. Hi everyone, I'm Bob Borson. And I'm Andrew Hawkins. And today we're talking about architectural bucket lists. Everyone knows what a bucket list is. It's things you want to do or achieve in your life before you kick the bucket. For an architect, this could be visiting Therm Vows in Switzerland by Peter Zumthor, or if it was prior to 1969, maybe it would be smoking cigars with Mies van der Rohe. Items that an architect would put on their bucket list could cover a lot of territory, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. So, Andrew, we decided to break our architectural bucket list down into silos so that we could discuss them. Did you have a hard time actually zeroing in on your gotta-do-before-I-die items? Yeah, zeroing in down to one in (laughs) each of these categories was kind of tough. I still might not be able to do it. I still may have. I may sneak in one or two for these instead of just one, but yeah. It was difficult. I get it. I will say that preparing for this show was actually agony for me because I tend not to identify with favorites like on in anything. I like to think it's because there's like an ebb and flow to my interests. And while I might really like something today, chances are better than good that I will replace this current object of my fascination with something else before too long. You know, I get a lot of emails from people saying, oh, what's your favorite X or Y or Z or, you know. I hate those questions because they're impossible to answer. Well, I can just answer them for this time in the moment, right? That's right. I came up with this list, but once I do these, I can come up with a whole other round. So it's not like it's that big of a deal. (laughs) (laughs) This is just it for today. All right. So we have like a handful of silos that we've identified and we'll just do them one at a time. Okay. Yeah. I think that's the plan. Yeah. It's a good plan. So we're going to start with person. So who would you like to have as an ideal architect buddy? When that was the identified topic, I thought, well, what kind of buddy are we talking about? Is this for like your life coach buddy? Is this your professional practice buddy? Or is this your text, you know, at 10 o'clock or when I see something funny, I text him a picture. Well, but couldn't it be all three well, or it, four or what? I mean, if you shouldn't could, this if you person could find be like somebody, all of those things? Well, if they could be all those things, I think that'd be great. But it sounds like it'd be really hard for one person to fill all those silos. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I would assume if me and whoever this is are that tight, they're going to be able to fill all that criteria. Do I fill all those criteria for you, Andrew? We, uh, <laughs> I don't know about that. Okay, and next on next week's episode, you'll introduce you to the new podcast host. <laughs> <laughs> the new co-host. Yeah, yes. uh-huh, yeah. right. Okay, all right, so who's your person? Man, this was like the hardest one, I think, for me. Because it's difficult to, I guess, in the same way that you were thinking about it, determine kind of how I wanted it to be. Because there's a lot of people that can fill some of those roles and not some of those roles. And it's like a wild guess because you don't know this person's personality. So you just kind of think, well, okay. It's only if they're famous. What do you mean if they're famous? I mean, it this could is be, not famous? It could be. It doesn't have it's to be. be. It could be somebody in your town. <laughs> oh, well, no. It's not anybody in my town. And I'm going to go the professional route help me in my professional life and i think it would be renzo piano mm. does he even speak english i don't know but it doesn't matter 
I can speak it in Italian somehow. I don't know. <laughs> bueno. I think that from what I know of him as an architect, he's very thoughtful, very careful. Recently, not, I mean, some of his earlier work, I don't know that I was all that on board with, but as he's matured as an architect, I've really started to enjoy his work. So that would be the kind of person I think that I would, I would want in that respect. You know, I mean, there's other people like, it was dead, it would be like me, Sir Corbu. To me, those would be the fun guys. But this was a difficult one because it's, you're sort of taking a stab in the dark about, well, if I don't know you that well, if you're a famous architect, I'm just going to kind of go by what my perception of you is. And for all I know, sure. Renzo's a giant a-hole, <laughs> you know, and I wouldn't want him as a buddy. Yeah. I have no clue. Maybe he wouldn't be an a-hole if he was your buddy. I'm going with the assumption that if he's the buddy, he's going to fit that role. Okay. That's reasonable. And what about you then, man? This was also a tough one. Not because there's so many, but for all the things you just kind of mentioned, I kind of go, well, there's a lot of categories they need to fit in. And most of the architects who I admire are let's be honest, probably too mature to actually enjoy spending time with me. So, <laughs> Wait, what do you mean by that? Well, you know exactly what that means. I'm... <laughs> okay, so I answered this question came down to narrowing down a few perceived character traits, like, do they like to party? <laughs> Can we talk about something other than architecture? And for what traits have I selected them? Like, is it for design? Is it for their technical prowess? business acumen, originality in their thinking, all of these things. So for that reason, I went with Tom Kundig. All right. And I would say on one hand, this seems like it would be a popular choice, maybe like the non-architect's choice. Maybe. I chose Tom because I like the technical nature in which he designs. Sure. That appeals to my own process. And I'm pretty sure I would live in every house that he has ever designed. Honestly, he looks like he enjoys what he does. And despite the ability to change the scale of the projects that he tackles, he has continued to accept and design single-family residential works. I've met him a few times, and he seems really happy. Yeah, I was going to say, have you ever met him? I've met him a couple of times, too. Yeah. Got, I actually got snowed in with him in Denton one year for like three days. Oh, yeah, that's right. Did I ever tell you about the time <laughs> when I asked him to sign a book for me? And he goes, what do you want me to put in here? And I said, to Bob my best friend in the world. <laughs> and he, he just started laughing. He goes, how about this? And then he wrote like some, you know, something that was also very familiar, but not, you're my, but not quite that. <laughs> you're not yeah. my best friend. <laughs> I almost went with Omar Gandhi. I'm sure a lot of people know who he is, but there's probably just as many that don't. He's in Halifax, Nova Scotia. If you look him up, his projects are really interesting. He's really young too, but every picture he's in, he either looks so cool as to appear disinterested in everything, <laughs> or he's mean, <laughs> you know? I love all his work, but he seems like maybe he might be too intense, which automatically puts him in the, he doesn't have time for my foolishness. For your silliness. Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't have time for your silliness. Yeah. He's going to be mad mugging you in all of your Instagram pics when you're buddies. Yeah, if we're buddies, they'd start off with, yes. Like, that would be a, yeah. I'd go, Omar, yeah. question mark, and his response would be, what? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and that, what do you want, Bob? Yeah. Well, you know, and the thing is, is maybe he's like the nicest guy ever, but he's very brooding <laughs> yeah. and intense in all his photographs. So I should send him a note just to say, hey, you could have been my you secret buddy. <laughs> you you almost made the list, man. Yeah. Almost. You were number two. Number two. That's funny. That's funny. So, Okay. So we're going to move on to the next bucket list silo, which is place. And this would be a location where you would like to visit. It could be very broad, like an area or a country for that matter, 
or it could be very specific as in a very particular type of location. I'm not even sure that it has to be architectural, quite honestly. Okay. This one was actually kind of easy for me in a way. Not super easy. There was a lot of different places. I'm going to say them anyway because I can. <laughs> like Anger Watt, I'd like to go there. I think that'd be cool. But what I ended up choosing is I would like to go to the region of Germany that is kind of Bavaria. Oh, yeah, really? Yeah, all that Bavarian region. And it's twofold. One, there's a lot of beer, yes. which is good for me because I like the beers. There's that, and then I want to be able to go and see like all the medieval castles and all that kind of stuff, that time period in history. Yeah. It's really interesting to me, and there's a lot of that there. If I spent two, three weeks or months there, right, <laughs> I would, <laughs> it would really be great. Yeah. Like, I would really enjoy probably every minute of that time period, whatever it was, because it has so many things that I really enjoy in life. I don't doubt it. I, I, you know, I tell people... I've been to Germany a few times, and I actually was there not that long ago. And sausages and pretzels. Yeah. And you know what? It's all delicious. Yeah, all the food. But what I tell people, I said, when you go there, what you're not prepared for is like every, at least Americans, for every kind of idyllic vision you have of what, what Western Europe looks like, it's Germany. Mm-hmm. It is picturesque, beautiful in Germany. Like everywhere you go, it's beautiful mountains and beautiful lakes and beautiful. I mean, it's spectacular. It's like everything's this amazing town. I love it. It's beautiful. Well, that's where I'd like to go and spend some time. All right. That's my place, that's a, region. That's a good choice. And what about you now? Okay. For me, I'm going broad, and I'm going to say Japan. And I won't admit to being an expert on traditional Japanese architecture, but it is one of the places that interests me the most. The way the Japanese culture seems to want to integrate itself into the landscape while maintaining I don't know, complete dominion and control over something like that is something that I've always felt I needed to experience in order to have a better understanding of it. Meanwhile, when I think of Japan, the words that come to my mind are tranquility, solitude, focus, and order. And all those seem pretty good to me. That's That's funny. I would layer that with crazy and nuts and over the top. You're talking about Japan? Yeah, there's a little bit yeah. of that. In certain parts, right, in urban Japan, I feel like you're talking about more like rural Japan in a way, but it was on my list too. Yeah. I mean, th- definitely there's crazy and there's intense and there is density. There's other descriptors that I can put in there, but most of the, at least from an architectural standpoint, it's the way the architecture and the landscape has such an intimate role with one another. And Mm -hmm. I have a lot of books on it, but I just don't think I'm going to get it until I go there and stand in there. And see it, experience it. Yeah. Like, it's the kind of place I want to go and just sit down. I mean, are you talking about mostly from the traditional standpoint of architecture? Yeah, absolutely. And some of the joinery, to me, that they do, the wood joinery is intense and awesome. Yeah. Some of that I would love to see. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that if I went there... I would have a very, very difficult time falling into my pattern of traveling. Like if my wife and daughter went with me, we kind of have this rule like, you know, I get a little bit, but it can't be a trip about architecture. I almost feel like yeah. I'd have to go with another architect, like just well, me and the you. two of us. Me and you, we need to go to Japan. Yeah, we go and then we can just like nerd out on architecture and joinery. That's right. And then my wife, because my wife's also maybe not the most adventurous eater. And I'm like, what's that? Uh, Put it in my mouth. See if it's any good. <laughs> yeah. So. I mean, I'm, I'm okay with that too. Yeah. 
Yeah, maybe that's it. We should figure out some way that the podcast needs to make it to Japan. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Let's work. Yeah. You work on that. Okay. All you sponsors out there that want to bring us to Japan, just let me know. We're in. Send us an email. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the next silo we're going to go into is the building. Your architectural bucket list building. And I'm and I'm going to say that like most architects you would think have a particular building that we should want to go visit, but Picking a particular one, like one that you have to go see, it's almost impossible, but let's give it a go. So I thought about this one a lot. It was hard for me as well. And the funny thing about, I think the one I boiled it down to is out of character for me because I'm kind of a modernist at heart. I really like that era of architecture. But again, I find myself like with my region drawn to something more historical. And I would like to see the pyramids in Egypt. Really? Yeah. And the funny thing is, is we were having a conversation with it about it just this past weekend, you know, when I was at the design awards and I'm sitting there with several well-known architects at dinner and they're talking about going there and how amazing it was and how it was just unbelievable from an architectural experience perspective. And I was blown away by that because I thought, well, maybe it wouldn't be that way. I mean, I've always wanted to go, but having that conversation really sort of put me over the top about really, I want to go there and see it and experience it. That's interesting. It's one of those things I think that possibly may not be around a lot longer. So that's another reason why I push it up to the front. Really? It's only been yeah. there for thousands of years already. <laughs> What's going to happen well, in your lifetime? I don't know. I don't know, man. There's all that kind of stuff that keeps getting destroyed over there. Maybe not to the level of pyramids, but anyway. So yeah, it's an interesting choice. Really not what I thought it was going to be when I started thinking about it. I was bringing up all these modern architectural icons in my brain, and but then it was like, I think that's the one. That's an interesting choice. I don't know anything about the pyramids other than all the mystical mathematical properties on, oh, did the ancient Egyptians know how to time travel? You know, because- Yeah, of, exactly. Uh, you know, this this. Well, pyramid... I want to go see where the aliens made it work. I know. Yeah, but I, I go, <laughs> can you get in it? Can you get in the pyramid? I want to know inside. what's on the inside. I have no idea. I've never been. I don't know. That's why I want to go. Oh, yeah. you've piqued my curiosity now. That's interesting. That's my answer. I want to go to the pyramids now. I'm going to change my answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can go with me. We're just going to do these things together now because, you know, nobody else wants to go with us. I don't know. I'm sure I could find someone else to go with me. Oh, uh, okay. Well, nobody else wants to go with me. Apparently, you don't really either. <laughs> so I guess I'm going by myself now. No, you can come along. We'll put a, we'll put a, a party together. No, 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 no. I'm not allowed. I'm not invited. No, I didn't ever say. Come on I'm now. Not, I'm All not right. desired. Hey, your words, not mine. Okay. I'm taking over. So there are two buildings for me that came to mind. Oh, you can't cheat and do two. Well, uh, well let me <laughs> let me play it out. And I'm only going to say that the two that came to my mind are, are just currently floating around the top of my brain at the moment that I said, okay, what's my answer going to be? So if you ask mm -hmm. me tomorrow, I'll probably say the pyramids. So, <laughs> so the first one, and I'll choose one of the two of these at the end, but the first one I thought about is, I kind of want to bring my family to La Tourette, technically Santa Maria de la Tourette, which is a Dominican order priory located in Lyon, France. But I've already been there. I mean, I've been there and I know how amazing it is. And, you know, and it's a Corbu project. Mm -hmm. And when I was in school, we actually stayed there for a couple of days and it had a fairly yeah. profound impact on me as a person. To this day, I still think about all the little details that became apparent why they existed just by how you existed. The monks that stayed there, you know, they take a vow of silence. And so the whole yeah. building is 
really to accommodate them being, I mean, they still sing and do Vespers and stuff like that, but they don't go, Hey, what's up, Fred? Hey, yeah. to- hey, Tony. They don't talk. And it was an amazing experience. Yeah. How you doing? I don't think that's how they talk in Lyon, but. I don't know. Maybe they don't even know how they talk because they don't talk. They don't. That's right. They Well, in Latin they do, but. They talk like this. <laughs> I was waiting. <laughs> I was waiting for you to start like ch- chanting. No, no, I was and, giving and it the silence. Man. I know. I, I figured it that out. That's a joke. It took, uh. me, <laughs> it took me a minute to get there. I like to experience that. I like my daughter to experience that. I think that that would be kind of interesting to see what it does to her. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, I mean, the most architects should. You've been there and you've experienced it for yourself. I think the next step would be to bring somebody else and then watch how it impacts them, because you know yeah. what you know what's coming. Hope that it does affect them in some profound way, like it did you. Yeah, I, but I think I know my daughter well enough to know that I'd get. I'd get something of what I was looking for from it, but then the rest of it would be, how would it be different? So, so that was one of them. That was one that I considered. The other building that I wanted to visit was Thermal Vals by Peter Zumthor in Vals, Switzerland. <laughs> I only laugh because you mentioned it in the intro. I know. Well, you know, that's why I thought, that's why I was in my mind when I was thinking about how to do the intros because, well, a couple of things. I'm not really a spa person. Mm-hmm. I love the idea of a spa. The idea that you would pamper yourself, like you would do these things for no other reason other than because. Yeah, it feels good to you. And it's a building that's really not that different, if you think about it in some capacities, to La Tourette in the sense that it's a place for settling down and quieting down and introspection and relaxation. And it's beautiful. I mean, if you look at the pictures, not only is the building amazing, but the environment where it's located is stunning. Yeah. There's a quote that I tracked down from Peter Zumthor when he was talking about, there was kind of a, um, let's see, how did I put this? That there was this underlying question that he was trying to answer when he designed this project. And it was mountain stone water, building in stone, building with stone, building into the mountain, building out of the mountain, building inside the mountain. How is it possible to create an architectural interpretation of the meaning and sensory significance contained in these words by translating them into architecture? And, you know, if you look at that project, that's exactly what he did. Man, that is a mouthful of stuff, but yeah. It is a mouthful of stuff. He probably said it much more suavely than I said it. I'm sure. <laughs> he probably had a, some wrist flicking that went on as he was doing it. Just the poetry of the words coming out and... So I want to see it not only for the architecture, because that's amazing, but it's because it's a beautiful place. And I like the idea of turning stuff down. That seems to be a lot of the things I look for when I go someplace. I don't want crazy. I don't want, I want less. Oh, I was like turning stuff down, but you mean like calming down, yeah. getting out of the element. I'd like to go there when it's all snowing and stuff. You've seen a lot of those images where people are out in the in the baths, but there's snow everywhere and it's yeah. crazy looking. That's a good one. That's a good one. I know. So from an architectural standpoint, that's that's the one I chose. Life of an Architect will be back in just a moment. For more than 60 years, building design and construction has been a trusted source for trends, news, top projects, and educational content for just about every segment of the AEC industry. BDNC's print digital video and in-person programs reach more than 150,000 AEC professionals across the U.S. and Canada. 150,000. Did you know that there are 18 countries with a smaller population 
than their reach. Wow. I know, wow. BDNC editors put on several national events each year, and one of their most exciting events is happening this fall. Do you want to guess what it is? I'll give you a clue. It does not involve a party boat. <laughs> of course I know what conference it is. It's the Women in Design and Construction Conference. This conference brings together more than 150 women in the AEC profession for leadership training, professional development, and networking, and it's taking place November the 11th through the 13th in Scottsdale, Arizona. Not on a party boat. <laughs> Not on a party boat. The Women in Design and Construction Conference is one of the only female-focused conferences that brings together the whole project team. We're talking architects, engineers, contractors, building owners, developers, and it offers a wide range of perspectives and lessons for both established professionals and the up-and-coming new practitioners. That actually sounds like a pretty good event. Certainly worthy of someone's time away from the office. Among the headliners this year is Mary Jean Eastman, co-founder of Perkins Eastman. Ms. Eastman will share tales and lessons from her nearly 40 years of experience leading and building Perkins Eastman from a fledgling design startup firm to one of the most prominent and largest architecture firms in the country. Something you don't want to miss. For more information and complete registration details, visit bdcnetworkwidc.com. Again, that's bdcnetworkwidc.com. Okay, the next silo, we're diverging off the traditional path here, and we're going to say thing. <laughs> so this is an architectural bucket list thing. So it's a selection of like an architectural item, or it could just be something that you want. So what object would you put on your architectural bucket list? Well, I mean, the easy answer to this one, right, is very obvious, I think. I, mean, I we already I, talked I, about it. I know, and I guessed it, actually. Uh, we already talked about it a little bit, right? Um, yeah. Like... If you if you know me, if you've seen my credit card <laughs> at all ever, you know that it's an Eames chair, an Eames lounge chair, because uh, I have an image of that on my credit card. So you have an image of the lounge chair on your credit card. Uh huh, I do, and it, it always people ask me about it, which is really funny. They're like, "What is that?" It's a designer chair. My next favorite one is they're like, "Oh, did you design it?" And I was like, <laughs> "Yes, I wish, <laughs> I wish, because then I wouldn't be here buying stuff at Target." Talking to you. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So that was the easy one. Although I have a, I mean, I've been in and around several, right? I mean, I want an original one. You can get knockoffs and stuff, but it would be terrible for me. It's the most uncomfortable chair for me I think I've ever sat in. <laughs> <laughs> and yet you still want one badly. I do. I do still like crave one, but mainly it's because it's so low to the ground, which is difficult for me. Have you sat in the one that I have? No, uh-uh. It's like brand new. You know why? Because I never sit in it. Yeah. I look yeah. I look at it. It looks good. But Well, you can get them now where they have a they actually have a higher base. Oh yeah. Like that lifts them off the ground if you want to get if you want to order one, you can get one that way. So there's that, but that's almost was like too easy. One of the other things I think that's again was also on my list, but it was out of character, was like an original Frank Lloyd Wright drawing. Some of those circulate around. I've seen a couple. They're not like in museums, but you can get them. I think that would be a really cool thing to have. I'm not a huge Frank Lloyd Wright fan at all. <laughs> yes, I like his stuff, but I mean, I don't think he's the end-all be-all like some people. You just offended so many people. I know. What do you mean Frank Lloyd Wright's not the end-all be-all? I know. That's like the only architect that almost anybody in America knows. That's the name. You say architect, they oh, Frank Lloyd Wright. Yeah. You know, this day and age, not... To have the comparison, but he's like the Walmart of architect because everybody knows who he is. 
I was about to say, that's a hot sports opinion right there. But <laughs> you just meant from a visibility standpoint. Yeah, that's what I mean. Not not in his work at all. Yeah. And I've been to several of his buildings, and I really enjoy them. I think he does some interesting things, and he was doing a lot of stuff at his time period that was unique and interesting. But I think his sketches and his drawings are fantastic. The way that those things look is is amazing. Sure. It would be cool to have original one of those like framed up in my house. So if you were an architectural critic, your summary of Frank Lloyd Wright's body of work would be, mm, <laughs> mm, not that bad. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I know. Terrible. Yeah. I'm being overly generic at this point. I don't hate him. I just don't love him. I know. I get it. I get it. My thing that I'm choosing, nobody would ever get this in a million years. Well, maybe a million years, but. Like, guess it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm not even going to try. Yeah. It'd be impossible. So. This might surprise those of you that know me because I am almost infamously not a car guy, but my architectural bucket list item would be a 1969 Jaguar XKE2 with a 4.2 six-cylinder and four-speed manual transmission of pure automotive beauty. And everyone knows you have to be a scoundrel to drive a Jag, so... I think I have the look to pull that off. <laughs> I love that car. Nice. I love that car. And you know what? I actually, I bet it wasn't a week ago that, not that I have any money, but I went online and I did a search. <laughs> like, how much could I buy one for? Trying to buy one. Yeah. Yeah, I, I want to buy you. one. And I found one that was garage kept, beautifully restored, $79,000. Mm. And I say that like it's only $75,000 out of my budget. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we can swing it. We just need a few more sponsors, maybe, or something. <laughs> oh, we got to yeah. get this Japan Strip sponsored, the Jaguars, Jaguar sponsored, you know, Jag. just the small things. I know. Well, we, at least we have our priorities in place. I know. I know. We're going to get there one day. I love that car. And you know what? It, it was like buttercream yellow, which I was like, this is the worst color. I mean, what I would <laughs> want is I'd want like that really dark kind of hunter's green mm. or a gray, or they have this like kind of midnight blue one. Yeah. The hard shell in the darker colors looks great. It looks kind of crazy in the lighter colors, but I think I'd want a convertible. That's what I'd want. Ah, uh, gotcha. I mean, I live in a place where I could pull that off, the convertible. Yeah, for the most part. I mean, you think, really, there's a small number of days because some of the times it's just too daggum hot. Yeah, but I'd be driving so fast, I'd be cool. You'd still be getting, like, sunburnt like nobody's business. <laughs> I don't, with my polar bear hair. I know. Your scalp would be burned. I don't know. But see, that's the whole thing. I, you know, like I said, you kind of have to be a, a scoundrel to drive a Jag. Eh, true. And I think true. with with my current look I'm throwing down, I think I got it. I got that. Yeah, maybe so. Okay. You, have to, you, have to, you have to wear a suit all the time. You have to, you know. Oh, I didn't think of that. Dress the part a little bit more. Maybe you could just go with the shirt with the vest. I mean, pants too, but I mean, you don't have to put the jacket on. Maybe you could just have like the vest. Over, yeah, your, maybe over so. your shirt. Yeah, or you could you could go like velour tracksuit style. <laughs> <laughs> now that would have to be buttercream. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I'm thinking of that nice like tan linen color. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Nice. Oh, yeah. yeah. Perfection. I didn't know we were gonna go cars. I stuck with architectural stuff, man. Well, that's all that's your shortcoming. Oh, my shortcoming. Yeah, okay. All right. No no sixty four Corvette Stingray for me. Bucket list project is the next silo that we're tackling. So 
What would be your dream project to design and have built? This could be any project type, scale. I mean, anything, whatever you want. It's your bucket list. Yeah, this one was tough. You've said that about every single one of these. I know, because they're tough. Except for, except, for the, except for the Eames Lounger. That one was easy, but the rest of them were hard. No, the person, the place, Germany was pretty easy. Okay. You know, I don't know. Part of me says my own house. If I could just design my own house, fabulous. That would be a dream project. But then, you know, there's another part of me that's like, well. That'd be depressing because I don't have any money. Well, I didn't know if we had if that was part of it. So if I'm using if I'm using somebody else's money, then it would be like that, a that that would be a dream because you're using someone else's money to design your house. Yeah, right. Nice. <laughs> so then we're gonna have to go with a museum, some okay. sort of art art museum, I think. And the reason I say that is because from a design standpoint, those are typically the most free, at least as I can perceive it. Well, they certainly have kind of the the cachet to them. Like if you design museums that put you in sort of a rare air category of architects. Yeah, there's not a lot of them that get done. You think about it. There's not a whole lot of those that even come out in a year, every five years. So There's certainly a prize. Yeah, it's a nice prize project. Now, whether or not it would be a dream, I'm not sure, because I feel like they would be a nightmare in reality. <laughs> Doing that kind of work, just from a practical standpoint, but I think as far as a... It Maybe it's design prestige, but also just design freedom. I think that it would be a museum. I think museum projects are like owning a boat. They're best when you first get it and when you, you're done with it. <laughs> yeah, probably. The yeah. part in between the day you is buy not great. It and the day you sell it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I think that's what museum projects would be like. Probably. But still, I'd take it. Okay. What about you? Mine was not really very hard. At first, I was like, oh my God, this is so hard. Then I went, no, it's not. I would really like to design modern houses that are located in the remote wilderness. It could be in almost any climate or location, but something trending towards the extreme, like the desert or a really remote snow-driven kind of area on a cliff, in a mountain, you know, on a lake, you know. I got you. That's what I want. Isolated, intrinsic, standalone, modern house. That's, that would be it. That's what I would love to do. And well, I was that's like, cool. So I'm it's like, like a it's not project that hard. type. I mean, which on one hand, I'm, I kind of got to do one of those a couple years ago. and The cabin? Yeah, and it was great. You know, and the clients were great. The contractor was a total beating, but the guy who was kind of the project manager, I always kind of liked him. But even though they were really difficult to deal with, I still have very positive feelings about what we did and how it turned out and how that impacted the people who use that space. And the other caveat is if I could ever break free long enough, they're always like, hey, go use the cabin. They're like, yeah, you're always invited to stay. No problem. I know. And it's killed me because every year they say, hey, why don't you come up for a visit? Come to the cabin. I'm like, oh my God, I would love it. That'd be great because it's everything that I want. It's out in the middle of nowhere. It's cool. And I can't ever get away to take advantage of it. Yeah, you're like, and the work won't let me. I know. The other thing about it being remote is it takes a full day of flying and driving to get there. Like you head out at eight in the morning, you won't get there until about almost 12 hours later. Yeah, it's like eight at night because you have to fly for a couple of, not a couple, several hours and then you have to drive for several hours and there's all the in-between transfer and stuff. Yeah, it was really closer to maybe about 10 total. It wasn't terrible. I never hated it, but. Oh, I know that you did for a couple of times. When it was wintry, you were not fond of that drive from the airport to the cabin. 
Well, you know what? And up at, this is this is a project in Wisconsin. They know how to deal with snow on the road up there. Yeah. So it was never a. Everyone's like, "Oh, be careful!" I'm like, "This is nothing. Drive on ice in Texas when nobody knows how to deal with the road." Yeah. It's just ice up there. They're like, "Oh, do this and do that and whatever." They got the proper equipment to deal with those roads, and it's a non-issue. But that's a rabbit hole. So that's what I want. Modern houses, middle of nowhere. I would do that over and over again if I could. Yeah, so it's a project type, not necessarily a single project. Not a single project. Like mine was a single project, I guess. Although, I don't know. Maybe I'm okay with doing lots of museums. Yeah, maybe I feel like would. One, one would be the beating that would make me never want to do it again, though. <laughs> See, and, I, and I've already done the one, and it just made me want to do more. Uh, there you go. Hey, maybe it will be for me, too. Who knows? Maybe. Okay, the next silo is architectural event. This could be a conference or some other event, like the Biennale or the Bauhaus 100. There's a bunch of others. Maybe it's like one of those architectural boot camps. And I know you were considering attending one that was hosted by Glenn Merkett. Yeah, I was. And that was, was on that, my, would, that was on my bucket list. Yeah, and I had to s- turn it down, which was unfortunate. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm still not real happy about it because when I did, they were like, uh, this may be the last year that we ever do it because the place where we hold it is changing owners or something. Because it was a Glenn Merkett designed building outside of Sydney, this little civic center. And uh, it just wasn't working for timing and some other things in the fall. And I told them no. And I got back this immediate email about, well, actually, I asked them if I could defer for a year. And they were like, sure, that's not a yeah, problem. You have to, cause, well, hold on. Because you actually have to like apply. Oh, you yeah. Just, I like... had to apply and send a portfolio and do all kinds of stuff. I mean, it was kind of a, in my mind, it was kind of a big deal. I'm still kind of kicking myself over it, but there was that. And then I, they were like, sure, there's no problem, but here's the thing. This may be the last one ever. Right. And they've been having it annually since like 2001. So maybe, maybe not. We'll see. That's definitely my bucket list thing. That was a good one. The one that I chose was not that much different because I was trying to think, I've been to a lot of events and some of them are great, but I go bucket list worthy. I don't know. And then what popped in my head was the ghost residency that is put on by McKay Lyons Sweet Apple. Mm-hmm. But that one's a nine-month residency, and it's based at McKay Lyons' studio that's at his farm on the Atlantic coast of Nova Scotia. Yeah. And that's that's actually a satellite office for McKay Lyons Sweet Apple. And I believe it's the site of their ghost architectural laboratory, and there's this historic village where some of the firm's best-known projects are built in that space. And this is a research workshop for their house design practice. And when I was thinking about who's the architect that I would choose, he was one of the ones that I debated, you know, to have my text buddy mm-hmm. with Brian McKay lines. Glenn was on my list as well. <laughs> so I think that would have been a lot of fun. Now, the thing I struggle with, I go nine months is a long time. I, I don't think it's really, it's either, I don't think it's designed for people who are my age. Yeah. Or if it is, I mean, who could be away? I couldn't be, I don't want to be away from my, my daughter or my family for nine months. And I certainly couldn't walk away from my practice for nine months. Yeah, I know. That thing that I was looking at with Glen Market was only like two weeks, which travel to Sydney and I'd want to be there for, I mean, it's three weeks, probably two and a half, three weeks total. But even still thinking about that was like, man, that's a long time away from my practice and my kids and everything else. And it's just like, oh, two weeks is definitely more manageable than nine months. For sure. We had two other silos that we were going to talk about, and I'm pretty sure we don't have time to do both of them. Would you rather do architectural superpower or architectural tool mastery? 
I don't know. Whichever one you want, man. I got answers for both. I got answers for both, too. I'm going to go with Architectural Tool Mastery. Let's do that one. So this is in the silo of Architectural Tool Mastery. The basic premise is what one tool would you like to instantly master? Is it software? Is it pen, pencil? Is it kung fu? That's an (laughs) architectural tool, isn't it? I think so, maybe. So what tool would you like to instantly have dominion over? A pen. Oh, yeah? You can't use a pen? No, yes, not a pen. A pen, like, for drawing. So really, I guess it's like a skill, maybe? Oh, that's a loophole. I know, right? So it would be... I thought about software, but then I'm like, that's going to change. I don't want to be the guy that's like, ooh, I mastered AutoCAD, and I can use that forever when... (laughs) 10 years from now, nobody's going to be using it at all, even though you shouldn't be using it now. But way in the future, it's going to be a dead skill. But if I could actually instantly master drawing with a pen, like an ink pen, the stuff that's in my head or the stuff that I see, or, you know, that's a way to communicate that I I can kind of draw now. If I was really good at it, I think it would change my game immensely. Okay. That's interesting because I actually did choose software because... I feel like I can sketch well enough to articulate what's in my brain. So what I chose was, and I didn't specify if it was Revit or Archicad, because those are the kind of the two that I always kind of vacillate between. I used to be really, really good at AutoCAD. You know, the truth is I probably still am good at it, but we don't use it in my office. Oh, yeah. But things have passed that drafting platform by. And if I had mastery of some BIM platform, I think it might give me some freedom from what I currently has because I'm currently reliant on others in my office to do some things for me. Yeah. Yeah. And part of the reason I hate answering BIM as my answer, I guess, is that I don't think my time is best served by drafting, but I know how my design process works and it does require the specificity that a drafted product provides. Yeah. So like when my typical design process, I might sketch out an idea and then I put down some lines and it was an AutoCAD at the time to kind of give me some dimensional control. I print it out and then I draw on top of that and then I turn that back into AutoCAD. And I went back and forth between sketching and drafting and sketching and drafting and sketching and drafting. Now my sense of scale is pretty good, but a lot of the stuff I do, how you build it has everything to do with what the design is. And I really need the specificity that the software provides. And so if I could have Revit, since that's what my office uses, if I had mastery of Revit, I think that'd be great. But I don't think I'd tell anybody that I was a master of Revit because <laughs> I don't want to spend my time drafting. And for me, I mean, I thought about that too, even though I said it would be outdated, but my current usage, it would help me just be more efficient where I wouldn't have to, like you say, rely on someone else to do stuff. And it's not that I would be drafting all the time, but if I could hop in and if you had pure mastery, you could create whatever you wanted to within the software. You wouldn't be bound by the basics. I could make all sure. kinds of shapes and forms and all that kind of stuff with ease, which I think would be really helpful just from you know an efficient sort of design standpoint because that adds that three-dimensional aspect. So I get it. I get that part. But my pen mastery is going to be able to do that without having to have Revit. I'm just going to be able to draw that way because I've mastered the pen as a tool. <laughs> so I don't need it, man. I can draw okay. I can draw everything three-dimensionally and I'm golden. Okay, I'm going to give you I think that you kind of slipped this in. You're looking for a loophole cuz I don't <laughs> think I don't think pen is a tool that you master. Sure drawing is. is drawing is a skill. You know how to use a pen, but I'm going to well, give it to you. All right, fine. Drawing. I'm gonna drawing is a tool cuz it's still a tool. I think you're a tool with that eh, answer. well. <laughs> listen. 
if you can sneak in multiple answers in for one. No, I, I didn't. Kinda, oh, you did though. You no, have to I talk I, about them enough. So I talked about the two, and then I said, <laughs> "But this is the one I'd settle on." All right, if that's if that's if that's a loophole, then I'm I embrace it. So then we'll just go backwards, and this will be my architectural superpower: is being able to draw. <laughs> so man, really, okay, I that's your combine those two. No, that's no, not okay. my two. No, I'm not, my, that's not my superpower. I'm not going to do no, it. I have a different too, superpower. You, no, it's too late. Your superpower is nope, drawing. Nope, nope, nope. It's not it. Okay, well, we're you, not talking about architectural superpower. That's another killing one. Killing me. I know. Okay. I'll save it for it, another time. That's right, because now it's time to get to my favorite section, the hypothetical. <laughs> and I have a good one today. One that, quite honestly, could last an hour if we wanted it to. But we're, we're not going to. not to anyway. All right, you ready? Here we go. You have just learned from a high-ranking government official that an airborne virus was released by terrorists around the globe, and as a result, the zombie apocalypse will begin in three days. You have been informed that these are the slow-moving variety of zombie, and that 90% of the world's population will be infected and will ultimately die off over the next five years. You're being notified because your DNA which is conveniently on file, alerted the aforementioned government officials that you will be part of the 10% that is unaffected. You have three days before essentially the end of the world begins. What do you do in those three days? I just sit around. No. Um, well, here's my question. First question. One. Questions. No. If it's So if it's my DNA, I'm going to assume that, can I make the assumption nope, that my- Nope. You can't. I already know the question is you can't. You don't know if your children are going to be infected or not. Ah, oh, it's my DNA. Mm-mm. Okay. <laughs> well, it's only par- it's only I'm part gonna, of your DNA. I'm going to have them with me anyway, and if I end up having to keep them in a cage for three days to figure it out, we'll see. So the first thing is food. I think. Okay. Yes, food. Try to figure food out food is a thing. So what? But- how to get a, I, like gather as much food as possible. Okay. Because if I've got, and granted, I don't know what the situation is. I mean, I kind of feel like if I'm one of the 10% that's going to live, the government should pick me up and take me somewhere. But hey, that's just me. So food, I would gather food and that would be like going to the grocery store and buying all this canned food, going to the garden center and buying every vegetable seed I could buy to have for the future. That would be one. And then two, I thought maybe my house, but I can't decide if I'd stay, like stay where I'm at or if I would try to go somewhere and be remote. Probably would try to go somewhere and be remote, which I know some places in Colorado I could drive to and stay out of the way for a while to get away from people, which would just make things a little easier. For a while. For a while. Well, I mean, if it's only, again, these five-year scenarios, if I've only got to live- 90% of the world's population is coming for you. No, they're not. Well- They're going to come for other people. 90%- If I'm out in the middle of nowhere where there's nobody living- you don't think they're gonna? They're not gonna. They, they're not gonna sniff me out from like oh. I don't know, four hundred miles away and be like, oh hey, that guy's over there. I don't know. That's eh, every zombie circumstances that you ever see. That's not how that works. But okay, uh, there's not any people that are out in the middle of nowhere. So I'd probably go out to the middle of nowhere and then I'd just fortify my whatever. I'd take all my. <laughs> With a solid plan. All my guns and weapons uh-huh. and ammunition and everything else. I don't know. What else am I going to do? You're going to fortify your whatever. Okay. Solid plan. Fortify my location in the woods, in the middle of nowhere. You have three days. Yeah. So? To fortify. Well, as best I can. Well, I mean, 
as best I can. Okay. All right. But that's it. Go to get some stuff, food and stuff. Go to the middle of nowhere and hunker down. <laughs> get some stuff and fortify my stuff. And- I don't know what else to say. What else are you going to do? <laughs> I mean, the other option is like, I'm going to get on a boat. Yeah. And I'm going to go out in the ocean. Yeah. See, there you go. That's the plan. For me, what I would do, I have three days. So I don't, money's a non issue. And the reason why money's a non issue is because who's going to come and collect? No, I got you. Yeah. Right. So I just like charge it. Or, you know, whatever you need, you just write a check, go to the bank, get a big loan, whatever the case may be. So I would, what I would do is I would go rent a very large, like research vessel boat, you know, the kind that a crew of like 30 or 40 people put a lot of people in there. And then I would spend as much of my three days loading it up with fuel, food, liquids, canned food seeds, everything I could possibly get my hands on. Flashlights, mosquito nets, all that kind of garbage. And then here's where it gets, here's the twist. I'd put some cages on there because I also think that I should go like kidnap some people. I should go kidnap like a couple of engineers and a couple of doctors and stuff like that because they don't know what's coming and I don't know if they're going to be infected or not. And I'll throw them in the cage and they're like, oh, I'm going to kill you. You know, oh, you kidnapped me. This is illegal. I'm saying, look, I'm doing you the biggest favor of your life. Three days, you're either going to turn into a zombie or I just saved you from dying a gruesome death at the hands of the zombies. So that way, I could just go out in the water because everybody knows zombies can't swim. That's a universal zombie truth. <laughs> so I'd go, out, okay. I'd go out in the water, but I got to go out far enough in the water so that the 10% that isn't dead can't like take a shot at me and then come take my boat and my stuff. Except for the other people, the ten percent that managed to, they have a boat get too. Get a boat, get a boat also, and they come. But they got to be pirates. I know, to but you. they got a boat. I got a boat. I don't need my boat. And if they want my boat, right. I have other stuff on there to fend them off. If it's a smaller boat, maybe they want your big boat. Well, uh, you know, I, how do you know I'm not going and taking their little boat? <laughs> I'm just saying. I know. Yeah, but at least my odds are reduced by being out in the ocean. Now, I, now the premise okay. is remember in this scenario. Everybody who's infected dies within five years. And I can't stay on the water for five years. So then the idea is I want to go to a place where the population was limited geographically. And I don't mean out in Colorado Hills because anybody anywhere in the United States can get to that spot should they choose. I want to get to- Yeah, you're going to some tiny island in the middle of the Pacific where there's only- 3,000 people to start with. That's right. And then I only got to deal with 300 of those people, right? 10%? Right. Yeah. You know, and that's that's if they all survive from the ones I that turn. If it's a universal... Yeah, yeah, right. I got you. Yeah. So now I have an island and I have a boat full of people that have either... Presumably they have, they have survived and now I can restart the human race. Okay. Right. It's not just about me looking out for mine. I'm thinking about the whole planet. Oh, you are. You're such a you're such a giver. <laughs> I'm gonna rebuild the population of the planet. Oh my gosh, yeah. Except for when all the people you took statistically are gonna be zombies. No, those are those go overboard. They're gone. I know, but the people that you steal, statistically, ninety percent of them are gonna be zombies. Yes, that is true. So if you've got if you've got a person, a ship that holds forty people Well no, like forty people like you they got live. Four of them. You got four of them. No, no, no. And not not holds four. That's forty people living right. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna load up those cages. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm like, I know your living conditions are are currently terrible. <laughs> okay, so how do you keep if you're putting them all in cages? How do you keep the ones from turning from eating the other ones that didn't turn? In, you're just gonna make sure you're they're in cages. standing there going. They're all in individual cages. Yeah. That's a lot of work. I know. I don't know how you're going to get that many w- individual cages put together in three I'm days worried. I'm wor- that are going to hold zombies. <laughs> I'm worried about that. I'm not going to lie. That's. I don't think that's. <laughs> I don't think that's going to work. I think there's a, that's a loophole there. No, I, that's a lot of welding and stuff like that. No, I'm thinking like, it'll be like know. dog crates. They don't have to be big. <laughs> dog crates. Yeah. You're just shoving people into dog crates yes. for three days. Yes. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Okay. Well, technically, I'm just having to contain them. Your plan is just as flawed as mine. No, my that's almost never true. Oh, it's always mine. Is you just don't want to believe mine is unreasonable for three days, but then I'm everybody's savior. They'd probably they probably that's what you want to be. That's really what it boils down to. uh, You want to be like (laughs) (laughs) the savior of the human race. I do, Mister Borson. Who doesn't? Oh my. God, I uh, I don't. You don't want to. Huh. You don't want to save the human race. No, I like to be the last one standing at this. Point. You just want to look out for you. See, uh, <laughs> that's that's. I, I'm looking out for everybody, Andrew. No, you know what? I, I'll put me. you in a cage if it make you feel better. That's fine. Yeah, put me in a cage. In your scenario, you can put. And me then in a you cage. can come on the boat with me. Because because if I live, and then we can go to Japan. You. you <laughs> You'll need it, but if I die, I'm gonna wreak havoc. No, because I knew the plan. I'm gonna shoot you in the cage ahead of time. Right, there's no, you're never getting out. You're never getting out of that cage. Oh, I'm getting. I'm getting out of the cage. Not if you turn. I'm sneaky enough. No. I'm gonna get out before I turn. No. Remember, I said they're slow yeah. zombies because you know what? If they were the fast zombies, I think I'd just take some sleeping pills. <laughs> <laughs> this whole plan changes if they're yeah, if they're okay. the fast zombies. Fine, fine. So you're gonna make Bob's Ark. Yeah, kind at of. first when you said at first when you said cages, I thought you were gonna go get some animals. <laughs> You're gonna be like, I'm gonna get some animals. I did. So I, I would. Species live. I'm gonna get some dogs. No. I'm gonna get some horses. No. I'm gonna get some cows. I'm gonna get lions. I'm gonna get panther. <laughs> no, actually, I thought about that, and I thought, what animal would I get? I think I settled on goats. Yeah, goats would be good. Yeah, they can provide you like all the way around. Yeah, I thought goats and rabbits. Those would be the two. I'd get a bunch of those. Oh, well, rabbits, man. You'd have like a thousand of those in a week. I know, but then I go, <laughs> I could have like some nice fur lined gloves and you know, <laughs> I could make a little yeah, okay. fur lined right, hat. Fine. You know, since I'm going to, a, apparently I'm going to an ice island. <laughs> yeah, yeah, apparently you're going somewhere cold. I don't need. You're going to Greenland. You're not going to uh, Tahiti. I got you. No, no, maybe my bed. My bed will be lined with bunny rabbit. <laughs> I don't know about any of that. I think you could get sheep if you want to do that. Then you could make stuff. You have wool. Yeah, that might be smarter. I didn't think about that. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. Here's the thing, though, about the boat deal. I don't know if I'd want a giant boat. I may have want a smaller boat. Nimble. A nimble boat? Yeah, a little bit easier, but who knows? I think it, I'd want yeah, a big... But I'd want a steel that... boat, right? I don't want one that, like, it rains. Yeah, no. And I'm like, oh, my God, and there's water coming over the edge. I don't want that. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to have a boat big enough that wouldn't get tumped over either. My problem is I'd probably have to have somebody there that knew how to work the boat. I could steer it, right? But if the boat broke down. That's right. I got I got some mechanics it. in the cage. Yeah, but they're all dead. <laughs> no, one of them. You, you, I'd get. No, you don't know that. I'd, you don't know I'd that. I'd get 10. Yeah, 
and that all ten died. No, statistically, you'd have, you'd have, one would. You'd have nine doctors live and no mechanics. No, I'd I'd have to I'd have to steal like forty people, and I'd say, all right, I got like, I'd maybe I'd have to make sure I'd really want a doctor because that just seems to make sense. Maybe I don't I'd know. want engine. I'd want really I'd want some engineers, but not like structural engineers or civil engineers. I mean, like proper engineers that know how to like put stuff together, figure out how to yeah. move water, that kind of thing. Yeah, like mechanics type yeah, stuff. Yeah, build me an aqueduct. Look how I talked. I said, like, build me like I really am the lord of the... <laughs> I know, you are. You just did it there. <laughs> build me an aqueduct. And like Caesar Borson. They're like, the water's right there. I said, build me an aqueduct. <laughs> I know. I want it to come directly to my hut. Yes. I don't want to have to walk over there. Yeah. Be grateful. I saved your I life. I saved you. <laughs> That's ridiculous. I think they would be yeah. grateful. Oh, They'd be grateful. No, you're so ridiculous. <laughs> they're going to over... At that point, the five people that are left or whatever, they're going to kill you because you're a, like a terrible dictator. No, I'm not a dictator. Person. I'm super friendly. Oh, my God. You're dead. No. <laughs> I think the gratitude... The living people will kill the you. The gratitude for me saving the lives, would, that would zero out. That would negate the fact that I kidnapped them and stuck them in a dog kennel for three days. Yeah, but that doesn't negate the fact that you're like, build me an aqueduct. No, that was a joke. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. Build my aqueduct. I said, we should build us an aqueduct. That's how I would that's say it. That's what you said. And uh-huh. That's how I would say it. Okay. I'd say, I'm actually, sure I'd go, that. hey... Who wants an aqueduct? Should we do that? And then I we'd vote. It would be a yeah, demo- it'd you, be a democracy. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Let's worry about shelter and toilets and stuff first. Yeah, I think that scenario though, there's like a million ways for it to play out. And truth be told, right, it really would never matter. I think no matter what your plans were, they would all go to hell in a handbasket from the minute it day three. I think the the soundest strategy is you got to go someplace that has the least population. For sure. I mean, and if you're assuming. I guess here's the other thing, though, that you didn't talk about, is that in five years, the population would be dead. So if I turn into a zombie, does that mean I'm dead in five years? Yeah, you're not, you know, infinity zombie. Okay, so it's at some point you turn into a zombie, and then at some point that sort of process kills you. Yes. Yeah, so it's back to our deserted island scenario. I just got to last five years, then I can go back. <laughs> That's right. Then you then you go back to wherever you were. and Yeah, and find all the people that are still alive. Yeah. That would be a hard. I mean, by that point, they that'd be a hard adjustment. Want to though. Kill everybody, but right. If I was on my deserted island, where like we've all been getting along really good, maybe we would never leave. Maybe we would have created a utopia. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? Depends. And we'll say, hey, five years, it's safe to go home. And they're like, no thanks, we like it here in Bob Land. Yeah, we like it here under Mister Bob. <laughs> it wouldn't be like that, honestly. Uh huh. Sure, sure. I believe that with your. Save humanity complex, the savior of humanity. I it wouldn't be like that. I don't that. know why you're. I'd be so gracious. I don't know why you're yeah. trying to paint that like that's a bad thing. Me wanting to save the population, like I should be vilified for to, that. I'm not saying you're vilified for it. I'm just saying because you're like you want to do it because that's who you want to be. Yeah. Not there's not a kindness of it. It's a there's an egotistical part of no, it. No, like, see, you're. I'm the savior of humanity. No, that's that's what, right. That's what you say. Me, Bob. I save the world. Okay, there might be some truth to that. <laughs> uh-huh, I know. <laughs> but the thought is genuine. I really would like to to save people. I'm not saying the thought's not genuine. I'm just saying the execution. I would like is a little bit skewed. I would no, no. I <laughs> I generally want to save everybody, but is it really so bad that I want credit for <laughs> for saving them? <laughs> <laughs> well that's the part I, maybe a little bit I don't think maybe that a, takes away a little bit of it yeah 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 I don't know 
I don't think I'd have to point that out. Oh, I'm sure. I, th- I know that you don't think you would have to point that everybody out. Everybody would know. Hey. You would assume that everybody's going to love you for saving humanity. Not everybody, just the people I saved. Because <laughs> you know what? You know why that's reasonable? Because that's how I would feel if somebody snatched me up and saved me from the zombie apocalypse. Yeah, but here's the thing. You really think about it. So if it's 90% of the population, what are we at? 7 billion right now? Yeah. I mean, so what? That's still Can you 700... Do 700 hundred million, <laughs> right? Smart. Yeah, that's but still a lot. That's still but, a lot of people left on the planet. But people are going to get killed. That's how it goes. Well, like, yeah, probably probably less than one percent of that ten percent is going to survive the bloodthirsty, slow moving zombies. That's just how that I goes. I don't know about that. We'll see. Who knows? That's how that goes. Agree to disagree on some of that stuff. All right, I'm going to call that a wrap. Thank you for being with us today for episode 25, Architectural Bucket List. If you like today's episode, you can find it in your heart. Please take the next 30 seconds and head on over to iTunes, subscribe to the podcast so you can get fresh new episodes downloaded to your podcast player of choice. And while you're there, and if you're feeling generous, please leave us some feedback as we'd really like to hear your thoughts on the show and a five-star Before I Die rating of Zombie Apocalypse. <laughs> If iTunes isn't your player of choice, we're also available on Google Play, tuned in Android, Stitcher, Spotify, and a bunch of other platforms. They're all free, and all you have to do is hit the subscribe button on your podcast listening app of choice. Be sure to visit the original lifeofanarchitect.com for show notes, links, info, and photos from this episode. Also, be sure to stick around until the very end, and we'll reward you with our version of the blooper reel. Thank you so much for tuning in. Cheers. Take it easy, everybody. Outro. Yeah. Outro audio here. You're welcome. <laughs> okay, here we go. And I and th- well, hold on. This might pers- blah, 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 blah. Yeah, the T window. Yeah, that's the best. Yeah. See, my dad actually had a '63. My mom had a '62. Nice. And I'm like, what happened to those cool people? What happened to you? <laughs> Not to mention, what happened to those cars, Mom, Dad? Well, Jeez. Yeah, I know. Well, they think they, they're not family cars, so family showed up. So that's, maybe that's why they hated us. <laughs> we, had, we made that's them true. get rid of their, that's true. their, their, their cool their car. Yeah. Get your butt home. Yeah, so I got to be quick. Savior of the world. And we'll reward you with our version of the <laughs> blooper reel. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in. I know. You're never going to get past that anymore. Because it always comes out that way. You would say it funny too. We will reward you. You try to say it. Okay, you no, say that No, I'm not. I don't want to say it because it's not. It's worded poorly. Also, be sure to stick around until the very end, and we'll reward you with our version of a blooper reel. Blah, blah, blah. You still couldn't do it either. We will. But you, you will reward you. Say it at proper speed. Not, and we'll reward you. Well, that's how I would say it. No, you wouldn't. That's because I would break it up. Yeah, stick around to the very end and we'll reward you we'll with our own. Reward I know. you. It's because it's terrible. We will reward. I took out the will. <laughs> I know. You, I, well, it says, you just condensed it. We'll, we'll reward you. We will reward you. We will we'll reward re- you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll reward you. But see, if I was going to say it, I would say, and we'll reward you. Okay, how about we say this? 
Also, be sure to stick around until the very end, and we'll punish you with our version of a blooper reel. Oh, there you go, right? We'll amuse you. We'll entertain you. But will we? <laughs> will we entertain them? I'm not so sure. <laughs>